Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Good to be back with you all again by way of the media. I believe you're already having a blessed week. Praise God. Shall we pray? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Glory to your holy name. Glory to your holy name. Glory to your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, we give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are faithful. My Savior, my God. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you. The one who intercedes for us, we bless you. The one at the right hand of majesty on high, we give you thanks. Oh, praise you, praise you, praise you. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you. Glory to your holy name. Glory to your holy name. Glory to your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're faithful. You'll do what you said. We worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How great thou art. We bless you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Wonderful, Jesus. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Worship you, worship you, worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, glory to your holy name, glory to your holy name. We praise you, we praise you, we praise you, we praise you. Thank you for your mercy, thank you for your mercy, thank you for your mercy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Abba Father. We worship you. 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 Thank you for the greater one living on the inside. Thank you for the person and power of the Holy Spirit. We worship you. We worship you. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy, worthy, worthy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your holy name. Blessed be your holy name. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus washes white as snow. There is healing in the blood of Jesus. There is healing in the blood of Jesus. There is healing in the blood of 
of Jesus, and it washes white as snow. There is victory in the blood of Jesus. There is victory in the blood of Jesus. There is victory in the blood of Jesus. And it washes white as snow. Hallelujah for the blood. We're so grateful for the precious blood. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we give you thanks, we give you thanks, we give you thanks. Blessed be your holy name. Worship you, worship you, worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. Oh, you're worthy, Lord. Misho brende brande vito lukura barabariendere besinduro kushundu. Oh, we give you thanks. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Worship you. Worship you. Worship you. Worship you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We give you thanks, we give you thanks. Precious Lord, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Worship you, Lord, worship you, Lord, worship you, Lord, worship you, Lord. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you. Kapajaparapaparabalabariata. Oh, you're worthy. Shebelebelebele Christi. You're worthy, worthy, worthy. Shebabalmarabakatakalabarianda. Oh, majeketeleborababalabarakasanta. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Our Father, we bless you. We worship you. Thank you, precious Jesus. Thank you, mighty Holy Spirit. Oh, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We call every need met. We call every yoke destroyed. Every burden removed. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. There's no Kannada uh, translation yet, so we'll just be going uh, in English. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'd like us to turn in our Bibles to some thoughts, uh, familiar thoughts. If you consider what we talked about last week, you know, you find out that Joseph and his brothers were quite a family their father and all of that stuff, you know, it uh, makes you think a little bit. But you know, if you get to heaven, you will see their names, you know, in the foundation stones there. And so uh, God has his own way of doing things. And uh, that's why God is God. Hallelujah. We can probably look in Malachi chapter 1 and observe in verse 2. He says, um, 
I have loved you, says the Lord, yet you say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord, yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Amen. So notice here that Jacob and Esau are used as an example of how God chooses people and he loved one and uh, did not love the other as much or let's just say uh, loved him less. But what you need to understand here is that he's talking about being pleased. God cannot be pleased except through faith. And so we must not forget that, you know, Hebrews 11 tells us in the sixth verse, but without faith is impossible to please him. And so uh, God in his great foreknowledge had already seen their choices and the faith on the inside of each of these, even though they were born out of the same womb and uh, from the same family, but he knew the faith that would be in one son and uh, despised by the other, praise God. And so um, we have to think like that because that's the scriptural way of looking at it. We'll look at First Peter chapter 1 also and observe there. Verse 2, it says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Notice the word foreknowledge used there, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So there's a choosing based on foreknowledge. Notice that he knows ahead of time, he knows the faith on the inside of each person and what they're going to exercise in believing him and so based on that, he has chosen them because they would please him. Isaiah 46, the 10th verse also says, you know, since we are in Bible study mode, we can actually read some things. Notice there in verse 10, Isaiah 46, verse 10, he says, declaring the end from the beginning. Ha ha. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Hallelujah. So God sees everything from the beginning. Nobody has to tell him, and he knows uh, what's on the inside of each person and how each person has a way of deciding that God and his word are worth it and should be given full uh, attention and desire. And based on that, uh, he chose Jacob over Esau. Even though Jacob in his character had flaws, you know, and was not up to the mark, he was a person who tried to take advantage of people, constantly uh, having others do things for him rather than him bearing it, you see. But still, because of his faith and trust in God, he was uh, chosen. However, as time passed, you will notice that... Uh, he probably did not continue in his life the way it should have, um, and so it has affected things down the line. We were looking at the story of their life the other day, 
And you know that Joseph, thank God for him, endured all kinds of things and uh, survived and thrived and then prosperously became the second most honored person in the whole of Egypt and eventually, I believe, in the whole world at that time because um, things were very much around Egypt. It was known as the cradle of civilization. So um, a few thoughts like that um, as we study, um, you know, just trying to get the best out of what we have. If you would look uh, into Genesis, the 49th chapter, Genesis 49, verse 1 begins by saying, Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. So there is something hidden here also, very possibly about the last days. And, uh, you know, people use these blessings even today to uh, speak it over people and all of that. And that's great and that's wonderful. And, um, you know, so he begins to call them. Uh, verse 2 says, Gather yourselves together and hear, you sons of Jacob, hearken unto uh, Israel, your father. So he's almost on the way out. He's going to be leaving the planet. And, um, you know, it goes on like that. So he calls his children and he's blessing them. And those blessings of that man, a man of faith, and the man of inheritance and heritage from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, very powerful. And so he's going to be speaking things over them. Verse 3 begins with, Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Then he continues, unstable as water, thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defilest thou it, he went up to my couch. So he says that this brother would be very noble, would have all the right uh, plans to start with, but then he didn't have the stability to see it through. Very interesting. Like that, if you continue to read, uh, you will see how things are spoken over each one of these children. And uh, eventually, the Bible says he will draw up his legs uh, and then sleep, you know. Um, that's a good way to die. We are expected to gather our children, bless them, and uh, see the fulfillment of God's plan for our lives, and then bless our children's children, and uh, then gather up ourselves and go and depart to our uh, brethren in heaven. Hallelujah. So it was not necessarily a physical um, gathering to just the bones of his relatives, but to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Hallelujah. So he speaks different things over, you know, these sons. And notice verse 7, he even says, Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Verse 8 says, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. You know, Judah is the tribe from which the Lord comes. 
Verse 9 continues, Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion, as an old lion who shall rouse him up. Continues, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Shiloh is another name for peace, and you know the Prince of Peace is Jesus, so a lot of reference to the Lord Jesus there, binding his foal onto the vine, verse 11 continues, his ass is cold onto the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes, his eyes shall be red with wine, his teeth white with milk, all those kind of references to you know, the blood, the sacrifice, the purity, and uh, the humility of the Lord. So many things there. Issachar is mentioned. He saw that the rest was good, the land. Verse 15. Then he con continues talking about someone called Dan. Dan shall judge his people, verse 16 says, as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent, verse 17. By the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse's heels, so that his rider shall fall back, or shall fall backward. Hmm. Very interesting. Like that, he continues. Then, notice here, verse twenty-two: Joseph is a fruitful bow. Even, or maybe you can say, bow or bow. Even a fruitful bow by a well whose branches run over the well. So this is speaking of a lot of prosperity and, uh, you know, a wall there meaning protection and the branches going over the wall, being able to help others also and be a blessing to others. 23 continues, the archers have secretly or sorely rather grieved him and shot at him and hated him. That probably very clearly refers to his brother shooting at him. But his bow, notice that, so his bow abode in strength. Two words that kind of sound very similar, bow, bow, but they are all in the same kind of uh, stretch of writing. But his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob, from thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. You know, the Lord Jesus is also known as our rock and the stone that smites that whole figure in the book of Daniel. And uh, he's the great shepherd of the sheep. Hallelujah. Verse 25, even by the God of thy father who shall help thee and by the almighty who shall bless thee with the blessings of heaven above the blessings of the deep that lieth under, the blessings of the breast and of the womb. Hmm. The blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my or rather progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. Wow. Praise God. So, you can see there's a lot given there in words and blessing to Joseph there. 
and how, you know, there's going to be um, uh, amazing um, prosperity, not just for him, but for his progeny also. Because now Manasseh and Ephraim came out of him, and they were going to increase, and eventually, even though they were known as half-tribes, you know, uh, they therefore together became one tribe. Very interesting thought. Ephraim, Manasseh are called half-tribes. You know, as you study and get into all of these thoughts, um, you know, you begin to learn a few things. So, these two become one tribe. And therefore, if you start counting like that, they would end up as 13 tribes. Haha, interesting. But then, as time passes, one particular tribe begins to go through a slight let's just call it ignorance or being ignored, being ignored among the 13 until eventually when you pick up the final story in the book of Revelation chapter 7 where it talks about the 12 tribes and the 144,000 that are going to be being witnesses during the time of the tribulation, you know, the Jewish people who would now go out and evangelize during the time of the tribulation. The 144,000, 12,000 from each of these tribes. So here in the list there in chapter 7 of the book of Revelations, you will notice among the numbers that were sealed, notice there, they're using the word sealed. And it says in verse 3, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, uh, till the, we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard, verse 4, the number of them that were sealed, and they were sealed in 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Verse 5, of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed uh, 12,000. Of the tribe of Asher, verse 6 continues, Seal 12,000, Nephilim, it goes on like that, 12,000, Manasseh, uh, Simeon, verse 7, Levi, you know, goes on, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, then Benjamin, notice it goes like that. Eventually you will notice that there is no mention at all of Dan. So Dan does not appear there, very, very interesting. So let's go back and see, and as you begin to read and study, you will notice that gradually Dan begins to fall away from significance in things. It became idolatrous. They, they were the first to begin worshipping idols and all of those kind of things. But um, very interesting thought. Let's go down back to Genesis 49. Praise God. Hmm. So if you read verse 16, it says, Dan shall judge his people. Now you may think that's positive, that he will have wisdom to judge. But actually the word for judge there is supposed to mean somebody who's going to stand and revenge. So apparently due to his uh, being ignored and ignored, he's going to get angry and he's going to begin to fight against his brothers. Very interesting. Now, verse 17, Dan shall be a serpent by the way, 
an adder in the path that biteth the horse's heels, so that his rider shall fall backward. Here he's called a serpent, and uh, the serpent is always negative. And so, um, you know, you could check for yourself and notice that there's a question here about, you remember the Antichrist is supposed to be a person who will appear as a Messiah and the Jewish people will appreciate him, accept him, and then he will suddenly turn and go and sit in the temple and claim to be God. And that's when they will understand that he's not the Messiah. So there is a thought which you can entertain and ponder about that from the tribe of Dan there is going to arise a person who shall actually be the Antichrist in quote embodying the serpent you know and he's going to bite uh, against his own people who are represented by a horse here and uh, it's going to bite at the heels and the, the horse and the rider fall backwards isn't that interesting so interesting thoughts and because of that small in, uh, introduction of the fact that something about the last days, you know, this may very well be a good pointer towards where the Antichrist and all of these tribes are somehow connected. <laughs> a very interesting thought. So, praise God. Now, notice, they are not uh, perfect gentlemen. All their activities are mentioned concerning the death of their brother, or rather, in quotes, selling him away. But as far as you and I are concerned, if you hate your brother, you are murdering him. Hallelujah. So in the New Covenant, when you begin to examine it, you cannot entertain such thoughts about your brother. Uh, that is the benefit of the New Testament. It just becomes a little more, <laughs> a little more serious. Hallelujah. Because these people that you see were simply flesh. They were not born again in the sense that you and I are born again. And so they had just thoughts that they had to now uh, align with the promises of God or, you know, go against the Word of God. And so they, they just had this fleshly nature basically dominating them. And so if you look at them as brothers, you can ask how come one brother was so, so propelled by good thoughts and held on to the promise of God while these others, well, simple truth is we have a choice. And uh, though uh, they are chosen, eventually you notice that they are going to be found named among the foundation stones even in heaven, meaning that God does not choose people based on the way they behave in the natural, but, but based on their faith. Hallelujah. So, you will see that you are not perfect uh, until you meet Jesus. You are being perfected. And uh, after the judgment seat of Christ, you know, after that bema where you receive your rewards, maybe by then you could finally say, wow, perfection has come. Hallelujah. <laughs> and all tears will be wiped away and you can go forward in an awesome, glorious setting. Hallelujah. So, God has chosen them in spite of their performances, you know, and so you may ask, why not Dan also? Well, God knows better. The Antichrist impersonated by Dan, etc., etc., God knows that such a person is truly wicked. Hallelujah. So, these are just some thoughts. 
You don't have to swallow them, hook, line, and sinker, but it's something to think about. Hallelujah. So these, all these brothers come from the same family, and uh, it's a very interesting family. Praise God. Now let's go off to Genesis chapter 5, 0 or 50. And Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. So this is after the death of his father. Praise God. And, um, you know, it's a very deep moment. He has, according to your Bible there, if you read it, you will notice he has lived in Egypt under his son's care for a few years, at least 17 years. And then at the last part of uh, Genesis 49, let's read that. It says, all, verse 28, All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is that their father spake unto them, blessed them, everyone according to his blessing, he blessed them. He charged them, verse 29 says, we're reading Genesis 49, 29. He charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people, bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, not Zach, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, it's some fella, no, Machpelah, <laughs> which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite for a possession of a burying place. So notice these places have been purchased, bought, and uh, deeds have been transferred, and it has become a place of burying for Abraham and his people. Praise God. So there's no argument if you go into the uh, veracity of the documents here. <laughs> Verse 31, and they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife, there. They buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife, there. And there I buried Leah. Jacob is talking. Remember he had this situation where he loved a particular girl. Um, and instead of her, her sister was given and the sister was called Leah. Remember that? Praise God. So eventually, even though he was not fascinated physically by Leah, uh, he says he wants to be buried next to Leah. And he buried Leah there. So I believe that, you know, he began to develop a true love for her and so on. Praise God. <laughs> there I buried Leah. The purchase of the field and of the cave that is therein was from the children of Heth. Notice all these things are details. And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed, yielded up the ghost, and was gathered unto his people. Praise God. Awesome. That's the way you and I should be going also. When we have fulfilled everything, finished everything, then we bless our children and our children's children, and then we gather up and go. Hallelujah. So he said, I'm not going to be left here in Egypt. My body must be taken there. Praise God. So we go now to Genesis 50. And we read verse 1. Now verse 2 says, Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. And the physicians embalmed Israel. So Egypt was known for this process of embalming. And so he was embalmed. 
Verse 3, And forty days were fulfilled for him, for so are fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed, and the Egyptians mourned for him. Notice, the Egyptians are mourning for this person threescore and ten days. Hmm, interesting. And when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, if now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die in my grave, which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan. There shalt thou bury me. Now therefore let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. So he's, uh, you know, number two in the land. That should be normal. But he decides to say it openly in front of Pharaoh. He said, I swore to my father that I would bury him in the land of Canaan. And uh, so I, I need your permission. Praise God. It shows he's a man of integrity. He's not taking anything for granted. Very interesting. Even though Pharaoh and the people there have grown to love him, respect him, and even honor his family, you know, praise God. Very, very interesting. Thank you, Jesus. They wept for 70 days. That's three score and ten. Can you imagine some people who are not really your own family weeping for 70 days? That's, that's plenty. Over, not you or your body, not the one they know directly, but your family, your father. So it's, it's uh, you know, it's different. And so um, they had honored this man, Joseph, and lifted him to such a place that um, it was just amazing to see that they would mourn, they would cry for his father for 70 days. But he said, I want permission because I swore to my father. Verse 5 of Genesis 5-0, my father made me swear. Praise God. So he says that. So it's a word of honor there. He's an honorable man. He says, I will bury my father and I will come again. Verse 6, Pharaoh said, go up, bury thy father according as he made thee swear. Hmm. And Joseph went up to bury his father and with him went up all, notice that, the servants of Pharaoh, A-L-L, -L, the elders of his house, another one, and all the elders of the land of Egypt. Whoa, that's a lot of people. And all the house of Joseph and his brethren and his father's house, only their little ones and their flock and their herds they left in the land of Goshen. Wow, that's a big procession of people going to the funeral of Jacob, Joseph's father. And they went up with him, both chariots and horsemen, verse 9 continues, and it was a very great company. And they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond Jordan. And there they mourned with a great and very sore lamentation. He made a mourning for his father seven days. So they stopped at that place and mourned for seven days. Loud lamentations and cryings. Verse 11, notice, When the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning in that floor, in that floor of Atad, 
So they're passing through that land, and, and you know, where they stop is all Canaanites, and they're watching, and all these people coming and carrying this coffin or, you know, box embalmed, and they're crying and crying. Notice that they saw it. They said, this is a grievous morning to the Egyptians. So they, they, they see them as Egyptians. Notice, wherefore the name of that place was called Abel Mizraim, which is beyond the Jordan. That's supposed to mean the mourning of the Egyptians. You know, Mizraim is like Egypt. Verse 12, and his sons did unto him according as he commanded them. For his sons carried him in the land of Canaan, buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah, which Abraham bought with the field with, um, for a possession of a burying place of Ephron the Hittite before Mamre. <laughs> so, you know, it's Bible study we're reading. Try to read as much of the Bible as you can. It's very interesting what is hidden in the details. Imagine God wrote a book. God himself wrote a book and everything is in that book. So it has to be there somewhere if it is important. Amen. 14. And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren and all that went up with him to bury his father after he had buried his father. So the whole troop goes back. And when Joseph's brethren saw, notice this is where the picture now begins to unfold again. When Joseph's brethren saw, verse 15, that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which he did unto him, which we did unto him. So they're saying, as long as the father was alive, everything was okay. But you know, now that our father is gone, Joseph is going to make sure we suffer for the way we treated him. <laughs> very, very interesting. Hallelujah. Amen. So, um, you know, they're, they're tough guys. They, they, they haven't experienced this mercy and forgiveness that you and I talk about. When we say God forgives, He also forgets. Therefore, we must forgive and therefore we must forget. Um, praise God. We are expected to actually do that. And though there may be lingering thoughts and, you know, suspicions and all kinds of stuff rising, it's better to go with God's thoughts on the matter. Hallelujah. So they're like, they haven't changed much. You see, there's still like lingering fears. And wherever there's fear, it means that there's no love. Because perfect love, 1 John 4 says in verse 18, I believe, is it? Yeah, something like that. Let's go there, in fact. Praise God. 1 John 4. We should not mess with verses like that. Glory, glory, glory. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now, based on this scripture, you can say that if somebody is in fear, it means that they are being tormented. So they are not able to actually relax. They are not enjoying their life. There's a constant harassment going on based on thoughts and fear. Are you seeing that? And the more love you allow to flow through your life, 
and begin to move you, the less of that torment will be there. And perfect love will flush it all out. Praise God. So we must be careful to not tolerate fear. And the only way to drive out fear is to trust in the love of God and practice the love of God and begin to get used to it as a lifestyle so that it, it begins to guard over our thinking constantly so that we have no bitterness, we have no secret fears. Hallelujah. So you could tell that these boys had uh, not yet developed to that place and they said, you know what, even though we have enjoyed the luxury of being the brother of the number two man in this land and possibly one of the most powerful people in the planet right now, still our guard is not down. We are not really enjoying life. We, we have sneaky suspicions and fears about this brother of ours. <laughs> oh, praise God. So back to Genesis 5.0. Are you blessed? I'm blessed already. Praise God. Let's go back to verse uh, 15. Thank you, Jesus. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us. So maybe people have such thoughts, but you and I cannot have such thoughts. Amen. And will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And, notice verse 16, they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying. So now they have this story they made up. <laughs> that your father made us, uh, you know, be under oath saying something. And they sent the messenger. So shall you say to Joseph. They're saying the father said this. So go tell Joseph this. Forgive, I pray thee. Now, the trespass of thy brethren. Please forgive what your brothers have done and their sin. For they did unto thee evil and how, and sorry, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespasses of the servants, notice that, of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. So Joseph knows that, you know, this is how they think, and they're very suspicious, and they cannot release themselves into the great embrace of love and care that he has for them. So he weeps. Hallelujah. You can see how much of pure affection is there in this boy who has suffered, on the other hand, from these same people. But there is no trace of hatred and animosity in him. So he weeps because he can see that they are so natural, so fleshly, that they cannot think otherwise. They're even making up a story that their father said so and so. Hallelujah. This is possible. You know, people may never understand you because, you know, only God sees your heart. But praise God, it's all right. Hallelujah. We still have to do the right thing. Amen. We are working at having no trace of fear, animosity, bitterness on the inside because that will eventually torment us and make us not enjoy life. I mean, they could have enjoyed their life in that house, in that land, treated specially like this, but because of their 
devious minds and their bent ways of thinking, they never had the brakes taken off. They were always guarded in everything. Hallelujah. They could not fully relax. Praise God. It's something to think about. Joseph wept when they spake unto him. 18. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. Notice, this is when you can see the full, complete sort of manifestation where they have now said, yes, we are your servants. We just give up, you know. So it has taken years after the father has died. Now he's beginning to see almost the full fulfillment of everything. 19, Joseph said unto them, fear not. Fear not. Fear not. For, notice, am I in the place of God? He's saying, am I God? Verse 20, but as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Hallelujah. God is always thinking about getting to you and then through you and reaching others, preserving life. And at that point, I believe because of this one man, the whole earth at that time could be taken care of. Hallelujah. 21, now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Hallelujah. What a heart. He says, don't you worry about it. I will take care of you and your little ones. He just finished crying over these thoughts. And he said, don't you worry. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Praise God. And Joseph, 22, dwelt in Egypt. He and his father's house. And Joseph lived 110 years. Thank you, Jesus. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation, the children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh. Notice Manasseh's son is mentioned here, Machir. They were brought up on Joseph's knees. Praise God. And 24, Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, notice, and God will surely, notice, surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you. You shall carry up my bones from hence. Praise God. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Praise God. There's plenty there. You know, praise God, as much as you can when you are a little free, try and just read, reread, go over things. There's plenty in the Bible. It's, it's an amazing book, and uh, you need to refresh yourself and get details uh, whenever you can. Praise God. Hallelujah. So he got them to swear that they would take his bones to Canaan or the land that belongs to his fathers, you know, rather than leave him in Egypt because he said, God will surely visit you. Amen. You may remember that from Genesis 15 when a great horror and darkness came upon Abraham and he saw this vision and the Lord spoke to him and said, 
that the people, his people, would go into the land and be uh, in slavery there, in bondage there, and then after 400 years, he would bring them out with great substance and so forth. Hallelujah. Interesting. And so he knew that by that word from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, he knew that they were going to the promised land. No matter what it looked like, it looked comfortable, it looked like a nice country and all that, but he knew eventually he has to be buried in the promised land. They're going there. Hallelujah. They'll be brought out. So through oral tradition, by the words of mouth, these things have been brought down the generations and Joseph has it with him and it has become a powerful faith-filled prophecy in him and so he's saying my bones must be taken out of here you must swear to me that you will take my bones out of here praise God and don't bury me till you get to that land hallelujah interestingly if you look in the book of uh, Hebrews where you know there is this um, roll call of faith you could call it or you know where the faith works are mentioned you will notice when it comes to Joseph's story, there's no other thing mentioned except verse 22, by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. So that's all you hear about him. So not about how his character was and etc., etc., his heart or anything like that but instead here the main thing mentioned is about moving his bones from there you know and burying them in the promised land praise God that's an interesting thought you know hallelujah earlier in 21 he says by faith Jacob when he was dying blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped leaning upon the top of his staff so Towards the end of the man's life, Jacob's life, some things have changed and he has become a faith person and he's worshipping God by faith in spite of whatever he's feeling in the natural. Praise God. In between, there's a lapse in his faith. You can tell as we're going to read uh, a few lines, you will see that some things had changed by uh, misery and uh, circumstances that happened in his life and so um, he was not at the same place he used to be one time praise God and that's why when he stood in front of Pharaoh he said my years have been few and miserable meanwhile he lived to 130 but he said they were few and miserable so he had a lot of misery he had all kinds of um, problems that he allowed to come in and make his life miserable hallelujah and so even if you have that uh, legacy of faith that you are supposed to be a faith person, you come from a good church, you can allow your faith to be uh, drawn out of you by circumstances and by thoughts of fear and watching the situations in the general news. So for these last days, please uh, maintain the thoughts of faith, maintain the thoughts of love, Keep your eyes on God's word rather than any other news out there. Hallelujah. Praise God. I believe God cares for us so much. He's feeding us and keeping us till this very moment. Hallelujah. So don't be afraid. 
be not afraid. But I believe our target is to make sure there's no trace of ill will in our lives. Uh, to have a very fear-free life, a worry-free life, a care-free life, a love-filled life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I believe that the story of Joseph helps us. Amen. Let's go again to Genesis and uh, see if we can glean some more nuggets and good stuff out of it. Genesis 42. And uh, let's read there. Observe verse 1. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look upon one another? Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence that we may live and not die. So his language is a little bit like that. You know, that we may live and let's not die. So instead of things like God will take care of us, you know, he's, he's talking more naturally here. Verse 3, And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob, notice, sent not with his brethren, for he said, lest peradventure mischief befall him. Are you seeing that? So he has some residual uh, things kept in his thoughts that I can lose this boy too. So the misfortunes of the past have piled up. And they have made him think like that. They have become quite strong. You could say they're like a stronghold in his life. That this boy is my dear son now. Joseph was, you know, like the last boy. And now Joseph is gone. I'm not going to let this boy go. Lest I lose him also. Mischief befall him. Verse 5. So notice, things happen to us, but it should not affect us to lose our faith and trust in God. Amen. Verse 5. The sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came for the famine was in the land of Canaan. I'm just saying, read your Bible, look at these things, take note of them. Verse 6. Joseph was the governor over the land. And he, it was, that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. So Joseph is there. He's the main man selling the produce there in a time of famine. And his brothers have come there. Verse 7. Joseph saw his brethren. He recognized them. And he knew them. But he made himself strange unto them. And spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So he's not unveiling himself to them yet. Verse 8, And Joseph, Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. <laughs> Hallelujah. So there they come, in the midst of all of this stuff that's happening, all the grain, and you know he's in charge of all this, and then his brothers come, and he's like, wow, I know those guys. There's my brothers. <laughs> Verse 9, and Joseph, like that, one thing after another, verse 9 says, Joseph remembered the dream, the dreams which he dreamed of them, and said unto them, you are spies. <laughs> to see the nakedness of the land, you are come. He said, you have come to, 
quietly see how you can enter and probably rob this nation. And they said unto him, Nay, my Lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. Let's uh, jump down to verse 23 for a minute and observe an interesting little detail. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. So he's speaking Egyptian. So, you know, they don't know that he can understand what they're saying. So whatever they say there, he's going to understand it. But they don't know he's the one, right? Hmm. All right, let's go back up again. So he said, Nay, you came to see the nakedness of the land, your spies. Verse 13. And they said, Thy servants, notice this, are twelve brethren. They're trying to be honest now. The sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. Or in other words, one is missing. So they're saying, truly, we lost one of our brothers. There is another little fellow. Wow. So Joseph has, for the first time in his life, understood that he has one little brother still, a new guy that came. And it's actually from his own mother. Amen? Very interesting. So, if you look at their story, it's very interesting. This man had two wives and then two housemaids also, bond women. And from them came all of these children. So, if you're going to look at just pure heritage um, being the reason why God chooses people, it does not agree with, you know, what happened here. God is not... Um, judging people based on their nationality or their family. He's actually accepting people based on their faith in Him, not any other thing. Hallelujah. And so, very interesting thought. It doesn't matter, you know, in Jesus' own family tree, if you remember. Um, I think it's in Luke 3 and in Matthew also. He mentions in his genealogy, in his uh, family lineage, uh, three women who are also uh, not Jews, they are Gentiles, like Rahab and uh, Bathsheba and Ruth. They are actually not from the pure, in quote, pure Jewish race. Somebody asked me a question one time when I was, um, yeah, in Punjab or something like that. He said, do you know why God used Abraham? And I was like, because oh, a man of faith. And the guy said, no, but because he was from a pure race, it seems. So, <laughs> praise God. You know, um, Jesus even did not have a pure genealogy in his race, if you look at it like that. And besides, before uh, even Abraham became a believer, in quote, what was he? He was just some Gentile out there. Are you getting this? So, you cannot change the facts that God chooses based on faith, and he knows the faith and the choices each one will make in his foreknowledge, and based on that, he chooses them. Hallelujah. It's not based on external things, even character flaws, but it's based on faith. Hallelujah. God knows that we have this flesh, and uh, in the flesh is resident another law, and it works against the spirit, and he knows we have to choose, but it's not based on our perfection in that area, that God chooses us or uses us. Hallelujah. But it's based on faith. So why should I 
uh, tend to go towards perfection? Why should I go forward and try to be perfected? Why don't I just slough back and just wallow in my flesh? Why? Because people are watching and people need to get saved. Your witness, your life is supposed to attract people to Jesus. God knows the faith in your heart, but people see what you are doing. So, you know, in Matthew 5, I believe in verse 12, he said, 12, I believe, let your light so shine. Let your light so shine. Is it uh, 5, I think, 5.16, yeah. Matthew 5.16, let your light so shine before men. Hallelujah. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Praise God. So that, that is, in a nutshell, why we are bothered about living in the spirit rather than the flesh. Because God knows your heart. God knows your faith. God knows where you are. He sees the things are the inside, but man looks on the outside. So your life is preaching whether you like it or not. What message is preaching is up to you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. All right, back to Genesis uh, 42. Verse 13, and they said, Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father. So there's one little fellow there. One Kutan is at home. <laughs> and one is not. They say that guy is missing, etc., dead or whatever. 14, and Joseph said unto the men, That is it that I spake unto you, saying, you are spies. He picked on that, you know. He said, I'm telling you, you guys, you are shady. There's something about you. Verse, but, you know, they don't know. He's trying to see how they have changed or are they the same and how they're going to act. You know, Joseph is inspired by other higher, higher ideals, loftier ideas. <laughs> Verse 15. Hereby you shall be proved by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not go forth from hence except your youngest brother come hither. He's the same story again. I was the youngest one. Now let's talk about that young one again. So he wants to see the little fellow because that is also from his own mother. Oh, glory to God. And he's using it all to now... Uh, see through their actions and see if anything has changed. Verse 16, send one of you and let him fetch your brother and you shall be kept in prison that your words may be proved whether there be any truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. 17, and he put them all together into the ward three days. So they're in lockdown for three days. <laughs> and Joseph said unto them, verse 18, the third day, this do and live, for I fear God. So, in other words, this is an Egyptian telling Jewish people, I fear your God. In other words, he's not scared to say, I'm a believer. Interesting, right? See, you see the kind of person he is? He's an interesting person, very, very interesting person. He, he actually uses the word Elohim. I fear Elohim. I fear Elohim. So if you are on the level, you can tell who's standing in front of you is a God-fearing man 
and therefore you can judge certain things from him. Anyway, verse 19. If you be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye carry corn for the famine of your houses. Notice that. Bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified. You shall not die. And they did so. He said, you're going to leave one guy here, and then you, are, you all go with corn and stuff, provision, go back home, and go get that little fellow for me. <laughs> Praise God. And they said one to another. Notice, they think he doesn't know what they're saying. They said one to another. We are verily guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us. We would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. Hallelujah. He said, see what we did to that boy way back then has come back to us when our brother was crying. What happened was that they had put him in a pit, you remember? And they were eating out there while he's in the pit, and he's crying from the pit, and they're just not bothered. And they all heard these voices. One brother heard it and reacted one way. Another brother acted another way. One had good intentions but did not stand all the way. All of these things, but they're saying now to themselves, see, all those things have now finally come to us, and he's standing there listening. They didn't know that because, you know, he's using an interpreter. 22, and Reuben answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child? You would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. They suddenly are transported back to many years ago, and they are remembering and reliving everything. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. So there he is standing in front of them, Hearing the whole thing. Must have been quite an interesting setup. <laughs> After all these years. And he turned himself about from them and wept. He went somewhere and wept. And returned to them again. And communed with them. And took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes. Wow. Hallelujah. There's an amazing story. Like I said before, there's a lot of story about this Joseph. And it, it takes a lot of Genesis there. 25, then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn and to restore every man's money into his sack. Notice they had come to buy corn. And, you know, he said to put back every man's money into the sack to give them provision for the way. And thus did he unto them. And they laded their asses with the corn and departed thence, 26 says. And as one of them opened his sack to give his ass provender of food or hay in the inn on the way, you know, they stopped by the inn. He noticed he espied his money for behold, it was in the sack's mouth. It was right there. He's, till then they didn't know that the money was there. He had returned their money to them. 28, and he said unto his brethren, My money is restored, and lo, it is even in my sack. And their heart failed them, and they were afraid, saying one to another, What is this that God has done unto us? <laughs> Very interesting people. What is this that God has done unto us? All right, 29, and they came unto Jacob, 
their father unto the land of Canaan. Notice there that, you know, they're trying to wrap their minds around their brother and all of these things. They don't know he's the one standing there. So God has done these things. And they came unto Jacob, their father, unto the land of Canaan, and told him all that befell unto them, saying, now hear their report, the man who is the Lord of the land spake roughly to us, so we know he spoke roughly, uh, took us for spies of the country, and we said unto him, we are true men, we are not spies. Okay. We be twelve brethren, sons of our father, one is not. And the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. That sounds like what they said. 33. And the man, the Lord of the country, said unto us, Hereby shall I know that you are true men. Leave one of your brethren here with me. Take food for the famine to, of your households and be gone. Okay. Did they mention anything about the money yet? 34. And bring your youngest brother unto me. Then shall I know that you are no spies, but that you are true men. So I will deliver your, you your brother, and you shall traffic in the land. And it came to pass, as they emptied their sacks, that behold, every man's bundle of money. So till then, they didn't know that, you know, it was just one person that had the money. They just knew that. So they didn't tell the father about that. But when they opened the bags, every man had their money in it. Notice, bundle of money was in the sack. And when both they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. So until then, they didn't talk about the money. You remember, there was only one guy that noticed money. They could have said, and we found money in that sack. So they're still kind of shifty. Then they realized when they opened up, everybody has money in their bundles. And now it's open. So they are tricky guys. They are money guys. They're still characters. 36. And Jacob their father said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. He has not forgotten. You see there is pain there. You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is not is no more. And Simeon is not. Now you've lost Simeon also in Egypt. And you will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. See, so he has come to a very natural place in life where these misfortunes have now come into him and he, they have made him miserable and prone to the next problem and the next problem and the next problem. Are you seeing that? Verse 37. And Reuben spake unto his father, saying, Observe this advice. <laughs> just to show you that these guys are just on another level. <laughs> saying, Slay my two sons. Just kill my two boys if I bring him not. Huh? Deliver, if I do not bring him and deliver him into my hand, I will bring him to you again. Just kill my sons instead. How can that help the situation? So if you kill your sons, the father will be happy? or You know, they are, they are far. They are out there. Meanwhile, these are the guys that are the sons of Jacob. Well, hallelujah. 
So my brother, my sister, don't be too scared if you start behaving strange. There is still hope for you and I. Amen. God is a faithful God. He forgives. He forgets. Let's go forward. Amen. And he said, my son shall not go down with you. For his brother is dead and he is left alone. He said, uh-uh. If mischief shall befall him by the way. He's not saying anything that angels will keep my boy or any such thing. He says, mischief may befall him by the way, in the way which you go. Then shall you bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. So this is how he has been programming his thoughts and this is how he's been thinking. It's generally misery, sorrow. This is how I'm going to die, etc., etc. So you can see that just because you are from that special called group of people, faith people, doesn't mean that you will always have that. It has to be maintained. It has to be protected. You actually have to contend for these things. Let's go off to Jude for a minute. A familiar verse of Scripture, Jude chapter 1. And we'll go down there and observe here. Um, praise God. Verse 3 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Hallelujah. It has to be fought and kept that pure faith, that pure love, those pure thoughts have to be defended. And we must not allow them to slough off. We must constantly uh, be engaged in the war. You know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, bringing down every thought to captivity and the obedience of Christ. So there is an ongoing war that you and I have to be engaged in constantly to defend uh, what we believe, defend the praiseworthy, the lovely, the good report, the things that are thankful, thankworthy. You know, what you can say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for. That's all that we need to keep. The other stuff, please, eliminate it. Don't think upon it. It's not your problem. Don't be bothered about it. Don't let the things that you fear begin to creep into you're thinking, hallelujah, we have this, may God help us, we have this constant thing to deal with. Because, you know, back in those days, the advantage was that, you know, they, they did not have any Bible really. Can you imagine Joseph is without a Bible? You and I have Bibles. We have Bible studies. We have classes. We have discipleship. We have all manner of stuff going on. And the media is out there constantly also. And you can always read things. But this boy had nothing, you know. All he had was this dream where God spoke to him. And he kept his thoughts around that and drew faith and strength from what he has heard from his forefathers and encouraged himself no matter what and stood there year after year, year after year, and like I said last week, I really believe it was one day at a time because he named his sons in such a manner, forgetting the things that are past. 
He called one of the boys that. He said, you are the one that made me forget the things that are past, O Lord. And this boy is named after you. And then he said, this is the one that has given me blessing and prosperity in the land of affliction. You are the God who blesses me. I'm looking forward to that. Hallelujah. So he, he believed that you needed to just live one day at a time, thinking about God and his goodness, drawing from the mercies of God, the faithfulness of God. And he enjoyed that, and people saw that. People saw that this man is different. He's not a normal you know, type of guy you find around here. And because of the way he handled the problems and the challenges of his life, guess what happened? He got promoted. There's always a test and then a testimony. There's always a proving and then a promotion. Hallelujah. God is the God who said, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. That also means in this time, not just in eternity, but in this time frame also, in this normal earth life time frame. So the way we, you and I handle these things is going to affect the way we are lifted up. And the quality of our lives is going to be a testimony. People are going to see it. Notice it affected many Egyptians. Multitudes of them were so moved that they wept for his father. They went out to that land of Canaan from Egypt, took the journey, went out there, mourned there, buried him, and others watched. The Amorites, actually, that come from Genesis 15, have that testimony. And so they said, the Egyptians have mourned here. And eventually they're going to hear of Joseph and the land and the prosperity. And the message came to them. And that is why God said, after you guys come out, the iniquity of the Amorites is going to be being filled and filled. In other words, they had time to think about the God of these people. Hallelujah. God does not leave us without a witness. God is constantly trying to speak to us. We have to react based on desire for the truth. We need to love the truth more than anything else, just because it's true. Hallelujah. And so just because it's true, try to uh, positively rid yourself from fear by employing more love, using the love of God and letting it flow through you. It's not easy. You and I know that. But we have to start doing what we know because we know. There's a lot we know. I believe you and I know quite a lot. And we need to start acting on it so that we become the doers and then get blessed in our deed. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's go back again to Genesis. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, let's, let's make a small journey out here to Romans. Romans, the 8th chapter, or rather the ninth chapter. And then we'll see. Romans 9. Notice verse 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. So this man, Paul here, is saying that, um, hey, God is my witness, I'm talking the truth. So let it be on record that this is the truth. Verse 2, 
that I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. He said, I have such heavy concern. Verse 3, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. See that concern and desire continually bearing upon him for his brothers. Hallelujah. This is the man who used to kill people before. Now he's saying, my concern for them has reached a place where I would rather be accursed or miss heaven even. <laughs> That's pretty strong language. Verse 4. Who are Israelites? To whom pertaineth the adoption, the glory, the covenants, giving of the law, service of God, the promises. So who is he talking about? Paka Israeli people. Right? Verse 5. Whose are the fathers of whom are, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever and ever? Not as though the word, verse 6, of God has taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. So he's talking about people who are Jewish people. And he said they are not all Israel who are Israel. So it's not based on natural progeny at all, is what he's saying. He's saying, I'm speaking before God, the Holy Ghost bearing me witness. Verse 7, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. Meaning that you can actually come from that genetic pool. And if you can, you know, and you are from that genetic pool, you are still not the ones that are chosen because you have not brought forth faith. Hallelujah. Amen. So Jesus spoke in, I think, Matthew 3, I think verse 9, you could check and see. He said, God can raise up sons to Abraham from the stones. If you are talking just naturally about natural offspring, he said, God can do it like that. But faith has to come from you. Praise God. You have to believe God. God cannot make that choice for you. He can make, you know, people, but He cannot make the choice for them. They have to choose. Those individuals have to stand before God and say, I believe this message. I believe Jesus died. I believe Jesus rose again. I believe Jesus is the Messiah. Those ones are the ones being referred to as the chosen, the elect. Verse 7, neither because they are seed of Abraham are they all children, hallelujah, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. See, Abraham had two, Ishmael and Isaac. He said, no, it's not from the Ishmael one. They are, they are all over. They are the Arabs. But he's saying, the ones that are from Isaac. Hmm. Verse 8. That is they which are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God, but the children of the promise. They are counted for the seed. This is the word of the promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. Notice that. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even our father Isaac, for the children being yet born or not yet being born, 
neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said to her, the elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Is there unrighteousness with God? So you and I know today that if you have called on the name of the Lord Jesus, that is so precious. <laughs> that faith is so powerful, so precious. You are the chosen generation. You are the royal priesthood. You are the holy nation. You are the peculiar people. God's own heritage. Wow. Praise the Lord. Now what do we do? Now we make sure we are refusing the fear, the worry, the anxiety, the persecution, the distress that is out there because you've got the seed of God's word, because you've got the precious, precious in your life. There is a fight for it. Hallelujah. We are going to have to defend that truth. We are going to have to keep that. We're going to have to make it rise up within our lives as an edifice. We're going to have to build until we have agape, being on top of everything. Hallelujah. Keeping it that way, no matter what. And I believe that the story that we have been studying is going to help us to do that when you consider he was not born again the way you and I are born again. You see, hallelujah. He is not actually in the spirit the way you and I are in the spirit. He is not the body of Christ like you and I are. He does not have the Holy Spirit the way you and I have it. Glory to God. What advantages we have. But that brings responsibility. So we cannot tolerate some things anymore. We have to start hacking down anything that comes against this precious knowledge that we have. These truths have to be defended. We have to stand. We have to fight against them and come out champions. Hallelujah. You're destined to win. You're destined for glory. Hallelujah. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 14, back in Genesis 42. Let's see if we can wrap it up. Joseph said to them, That is it that I spake unto you, saying you are spies. Thereby, or rather hereby, shall be proved by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not go forth hence, except your youngest brother come hither. Send one of you, fetch him. Fetch your brother. Remember? Then we got to the sacks with the money. Verse 20, Bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified. You shall not die. And they did so. And they said one to another, Okay, then 23, 24, He turned himself about from them and wept. We read that. 25, Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn. We read all that. My money is restored, 28 or 29. They came to Jacob and they told him all. 30, the man who is the Lord of the land spake roughly to us. All right, 32, we be 12 brethren, he said. They reported that. 3, the man, the Lord of the country said unto us, hereby shall I know. 34, bring your youngest, then shall I know that you are no more spies or spies. 35, came to pass as they emptied their sacks, they saw the money. Uh, they saw the bundles of money. Uh, they were afraid. And Jacob, their father, said to them, Me have you bereaved of my children. Joseph is not. Simeon is not. You will take away Benjamin. 
Benjamin away. All these things are against me. Reuben spoke, you know, take my son, slay them, all of that stuff. And then we read 38, praise God. Then 43, the land, verse 1, the famine was sore in the land. So they were not planning to go back, but because of the strong famine, verse 2, it came to pass when they had eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, go again, buy us a little food. So in other words, they were planning to leave Mr. Simeon there and forget about it. Until they ran out of stuff and they were forced. So you can see they are not really on that place of, hey, what about Simeon? We must get Simeon. They were not thinking about things like that. <laughs> so some deterioration has taken place. But because of hunger and starvation, they are forced to now go. So Joseph is waiting there and saying, let me see what's going to happen. I know you guys. I heard everything. Verse 3, Judah spake unto him, saying, The man did solemnly protest unto us. Now, this is Judah. You shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. If thou wilt send our brother with us, we will go down and buy thee food. But if thou wilt not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to, unto us, You shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. And Israel said, Wherefore dealt he so ill with me, notice, as to tell the man whether you had yet a brother. Why did you even go and say that you have a brother? And you are dealing with me. So it's all pointing back to me, 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 me. Hallelujah. It's hard when you have to read scriptures like this and say, can this be the problem? Could this actually be what I think it is? Yes, it is. See, he's becoming more concerned about himself and his own misery, his own life. And he's saying, you didn't have to tell them that. Hey, praise God, all of us go through these kind of things. So let's start dealing with them. <laughs> Verse 7, and they said, the man asked us straightly of our state. Very pointed questions. He said, this man asked us. Of our kindred, is your father alive? Do you have another brother? And we told him according to the terror, or sorry, tenor of these words, could we certainly know that he would say, bring our brother down? He said, based on the voice and the way he was saying, we, said, we told him everything, and we did not know he's going to say, bring your brother. And Judah said unto Israel, his father, send the lad with me, we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. So you can see here that angels, Psalm 91, all of that is not there in the conversation. In the first place, they didn't have Psalm 91, but they are from a family of faith, and they've heard their father talk about an angel, the angel of the Lord, and protection, and how God was with them, etc., etc. Amen? Praise God. So, our time is up. Let's stop there for a minute. There's plenty to read, as you can see by now, if you have not already read it and read it. There's so much insight there that if you start following one reference with another reference with another reference, you'll be shocked to see what you will find. Thank God for the Word of God. Let's worship Him. Pazabrante, prevote, felazambre, 
et tuco paravike pisote el menoste frandelo cosute pracamanta la gembra califrosto. We worship you, 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 we worship you. Precious Lord, the God of Joseph, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, our Father, we worship you. We worship you for salvation, this great salvation that you gave to us. We worship you for the ability, O Holy Spirit, to choose what to think upon, what to tolerate in our lives. Hallelujah. Help us to stand and contend for the faith which was given to us. It's our turn now, Lord. All these people have left the planet, but we thank you for this book that you have given to us, this precious word that you have left with us, the great Holy Spirit who indwells us and who is upon us for service. We're so grateful. Help us to be the people you called us to be in these last days. For you left us on the planet for such a time as this. To live in victory. To be, actually be a witness than just going out witnessing. To be a witness and to open our mouths to lay hands on the sick, to cast out demons, to use the mighty name of Jesus. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father, for time in the Spirit. For time of yielding to you. One day at a time, rejoicing in you, rejoicing in your faithfulness. Ha, ha, ha. We bless you. We praise you. We worship you. You're a faithful God. You're a faithful God. You're a faithful God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for us, paying the price for us, rising up on the third day, being tortured for us, going to hell for us, rising up on the third day for us giving us the victory, giving us the authority, giving us the name, giving us the life. We're so grateful, Lord Jesus. Forever grateful, Lord Jesus. We want to say thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise your holy name. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you for this time of grace, this time, this age of the church. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. We demand bodies be healed, minds be free in the name of Jesus. Let there be a release from every curse in the name of Jesus. We thank you for testimonies, Father. Open doors and favor. Thank you for testimonies, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. If you'd like to give, this is a great chance to do so. We'll give in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, sorry, it's here. I missed that. There it is. Father, and those of us who are giving today by way of media... Any form it may be, Father, in Jesus' name. May the increase of God be the portion. May we see the blessing that makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. Faithful God, angels work with us. The earth yield for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, team. You are blessed.